This episode of Riveting Reads is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. We already know you guys like good stories. Just go to audibletrial.com forward slash rivetingreads and browse their unmatched selection of audio programs. Download the one that grabs your attention for free and start listening. It's that easy. Just go to audibletrial.com forward slash rivetingreads to check it out. Now on to the show. Hello, and welcome to the Riveting Reads podcast, where each season brings you a serialized version of thrilling news stories, along with exclusive bonus content from the author. This is season one, Insomnia, book one of the Nightwalker series by J.R. Johansson, narrated by Roy Samuelson. New episodes are posting weekly on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Stick around after today's chapter for some author insights into the writing process behind this chapter with Insomnia's author, J.R. Johansson. Hi, I'm J.R. Johansson, and I'm here to give you a quick recap of episode 28, chapter 28 of Insomnia. In this episode, Parker wakes up in the hospital after having spent the night in Addie's dream. He has decided that he knows how he can get the answers to whether he is the one sending the emails and that he's going to do it. Addie shows up and is furious with him for what he did to her in her dream. And he is released from the hospital to go home with his mom. That's it for our recap of chapter 28. Stick around now for chapter 29 of Insomnia. Hope you enjoy. Insomnia, The Nightwalkers. Written by J.R. Johansson. Narrated by Roy Samuelson. 29. My fingers produced a strange rattling noise as they shook the keys. I couldn't make them behave. They didn't want to type the right combination any more than I did. When the keyboard shuttered off the desk onto my lap, I put it back and reclined in my chair, propping my bare feet up on the computer tower. I needed to calm down. There was no backing out now. The phone rang in the living room yet again, and I heard Mom pick it up. Hello? She answered. I'm sorry, Parker isn't feeling up to having visitors yet. I heard her sigh as she listened. I know, I'll tell him you called. Obviously it was Finn or Addie. She thought I was asleep or she might have come in to tell me they wanted to talk to me. Again. It was the fifth time one of them had stopped by or called since I'd turned off my cell phone when we'd gotten home from the hospital that morning but Mom didn't seem to mind screening their many calls and visits for me. There appeared to be some kind of unwritten rule that when your kid has a near-death experience, they get whatever they want for a while. And really, wanting to be alone and get some rest wasn't asking for much. I took three deep breaths and sat back up. Pressing my wrists firmly into the keyboard pad seemed to still the shaking a bit. One clumsy finger strike at a time, I typed the email address in the login box. Each click echoed like a pounding gavel in my mind. My soccer jersey hung from a hook on the back of my door. The eight was printed in ominous black over the vertical blue and yellow stripes. I omitted the one from my normal address, leaving only the eight. I tentatively tried to guess what darkness might use as a password. Darkness? No. Mia? No. Watcher? No. I only had one more guess before the security default would lock the account for an hour. Darkness laughed morbidly from the back of my mind. What else might it be? Out of frustration, I entered the password for my normal email address. 
S0CC3R. Then one word flashed across the screen. Loading. That single word sent me spinning, gasping like I couldn't find the oxygen for a full breath. I jammed my finger into the power button on the monitor before anything could come up. Still, I could feel the secret emails tugging at me from behind the dark screen. My chest burned, and the edges of my vision grew dark. More air. I needed more air. I scrambled to my bed and slammed my fists against the window. Then I hit it with the first thing my hand grasped onto, a soccer trophy from last year off my desk. Again and again, I beat the tiny brass soccer player against the glass until I heard it crack, and then it wasn't in my way anymore. The air in my room seemed impossibly thin. Each breath was a struggle. It was true. It had always been true. Darkness was the stalker. He'd sent Mia the emails. No, I did. Whether I was aware of him or not, could control him or not, he was me. Images of the past few weeks floated like ghosts in the tomb of my mind, a barren wasteland where they hovered and plagued but never held still long enough for me to push them away. Flashes haunted me. Finn, his cheek already swelling as he glared at me from his locker. Mia, cowering with blood blossoming from her head. Addie, sobbing and screaming for me in her dream until her throat was raw. Then the images burst through the floodgates I'd carefully erected to protect myself, one pounding over the next. Mia's parents melting in the blaze. Darkness standing in the road with his maniacal smile. Me watching Mia through her window. Dr. Freeberg running his hand up Mia's leg. The bloody paperweight in my hand. Darkness bashing Mia's head until hot, red blood was all I could see. They wouldn't leave me. These visions were my constant company. And there he was, leaning against the wall in the corner of my room. His cold eyes seemed to confirm everything I'd suspected for so long. My control was an illusion. He had the real power, always. So now you think you know all my secrets? Darkness sneered and shook his head. You make things so easy. Pounding sounded on my door. It was locked. Somewhere I recognized the sound of Mom's voice, yelling about a key. Mom sounded scared. I wondered if she knew she was safer out there than in here with me. Near the window, I heard a horrible howling. It was outside, or maybe in my mind. Perhaps it was the sound Dr. Freeberg made when I killed him. I leaned out the window and threw up into the bushes. The howling stopped. Only then did I realize that the terrible noise had come from me. The door burst open and my mom was next to me, pulling me away from the window. She pushed me back on the bed, speaking in soft tones. Parker, oh no, oh no. She grabbed a towel from the bottom of my bed and wrapped it around my hands. That was good. Someone needed to tie me up, lock me away so everyone was safe. But it was just to stop the blood from the cuts on my arms. Why was I bleeding? Was it my blood or someone else's? Didn't she know about all the other blood on my hands? The pain I'd caused? Could she stop that? No, no, it's okay, Shh, it's okay. Her face was wet as she knelt next to me, warm brown eyes staring into mine. The muscle in her cheek flexed and I could see the fear behind her trembling hands. 
She was trying to be strong, always strong. It's only a nightmare. It will pass. Shh. I wanted to tell her to run, to get away from me as fast as she could. But I was weak. Words were past me, so far away, I couldn't reach them. My hands and arms were still bleeding a little. Blood covered me inside and out. My clothes, my sheets, my thoughts. Darkness stood in the back of the room. He watched us. I closed my eyes and breathed the smell of my mom, a combination of peppermint gum and rose lotion that always signaled home for me. I tried to absorb it, willing it to wash all my thoughts away. To wash darkness away. We'll dive right back into the story after this short break. This episode of Riveting Reads is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with the 30-day trial membership. The audiobook I'd like to recommend this episode is Cinder by Marissa Meyer. Humans and androids crowd the raucous streets of New Beijing. A deadly plague ravages the population. From space, a ruthless lunar people watch, waiting to make their move. No one knows that Earth's fate hinges on one girl. Cinder, a gifted mechanic, is a cyborg. She's a second-class citizen with a mysterious past, reviled by her stepmother and blamed for her stepsister's illness. But when her life becomes intertwined with the handsome Prince Kai's, she suddenly finds herself at the center of an intergalactic struggle and a forbidden attraction. Caught between duty and freedom, loyalty and betrayal, she must uncover secrets about her past in order to protect her world's future. So, whether you decide to go with my recommendation of Cinder by Marissa Meyer, or select a different audiobook of your choice, you can get all set up by going to audibletrial.com forward slash rivetingreads. That's audibletrial.com forward slash rivetingreads to get your free audiobook. Hope that was a nice breather for you, because we now continue with Insomnia. My eyes were closed, but I wasn't sleeping. Time was a distorted abstract that didn't matter anymore. The last two days I'd spent mostly watching mom's dreams, watching the white walls of my void, or in bed pretending to be asleep. My mom's dreams were filled with worry about me. They tumbled me in guilt and refused to release me until morning. Still, they were better than the nightmare my life had become. The bandages on my arms itched. My hands were healing faster, but there were nicks and scratches all over me. Half a cardboard box covered the hole where my window used to be. I could have just opened it. Not my most brilliant moment, or my sanest for that matter. I'd caught up on my sleep during my hospital stay, so my more rested mind refused to give up the way I wanted it to. It wanted a plan, and my tattered emotions couldn't present a valid argument against it. Denial was getting me nowhere. Neither was bashing the window with a trophy, cutting my arms up, and puking, although it'd been worth a try. One fact kept bobbing back up to the surface like a body that wasn't tied down properly. I needed to make my decisions now, when I was still rested. It was the only way to be sure I had control. Sitting up in bed, I slipped on a pair of shoes. The house was quiet, and I needed some fresh air to think. If I could sneak past Mom, or if she was out somewhere... I could go to the back porch and breathe for a minute. I stood up, and a shudder ran through me. It happened every minute or so, like clockwork. Nothing I did could stop it. My body wanted to rid itself of the foul creature inside it. It wanted me gone, and I wished I could oblige. 
I'd probably already killed one person, and the only thing I could do to even begin to make amends before I was gone would be to make sure I didn't kill anyone else. I passed through the kitchen on my way to the bathroom. The note on the table said Mom went to the store, so I had a few minutes to myself. In the bathroom, I tried to keep my eyes closed as much as possible. One glance in the mirror brought on another shudder. My skin had a weird greenish tinge, and in spite of the extra sleep I'd gotten, my blue eyes were pale against the dark hollows beneath them. I looked like death. Or maybe that was what I was becoming. Shuffling out the back door, I pulled out one of the black wrought iron chairs on the deck and slumped into it. The metal was frigid, even through my sweats, but my mind felt clearer and more focused from the cold. I rubbed my hands over my arms and wished the sun would come out from behind the clouds for just a few minutes before it set against the horizon. I wanted just a glimpse of the light before heading out into the dark. But there was no more time for stalling. I needed a plan. The way I saw it, I had three options. I could run away, confess to the police, or kill myself. I wrapped my knuckles against the iron tabletop and shook my head. I'd spent too long fighting to keep myself alive for suicide to ever sound like a good plan. Of course, if that was the only way to keep from killing again, from killing Mia, then I would do it. But I'd try all other avenues first. Confessing came with its own set of problems. The more I thought about it, the more I thought no one would believe me if I tried to confess. There was no real way to prove it. My confession would be full of holes big enough to run a hearse through. My chair creaked as I leaned back. Assuming they could try me as an adult and get me convicted, both of which I doubted, and that they didn't put me in the mental hospital, also improbable. I couldn't even begin to imagine how horrific it would be to experience the dreams of other criminals every night in jail. The wind picked up and blew a few leaves around on the grass below. I shivered. Part of me felt like I deserved to watch the dreams of killers and thieves, a fitting punishment. The other part knew it would make things worse. My gut instinct told me that darkness would take over more and more every day if I was surrounded by criminals, seeing their dreams and feeling their emotions. No, I'd rather be dead than alive with darkness in complete control. Standing up, I walked to the railing, resting my bandaged arms on the worn wood. I was left with only one option. Running away was an unknown but at least it would keep the people I cared about out of danger. Maybe to the desert or out in the woods, somewhere I wouldn't be around anyone. My life, as I knew it anyway, was over. I stood outside on the deck until my body ached from the cold, then came back inside to my computer and sat down. Emptiness filled me as I pushed the power button and the screen blazed to life. Every hope I'd ever had retreated to a safe place deep within as I opened up the first email and started reading. I kept expecting memories of the emails to surface now that I'd accepted the truth, but they didn't. I wasn't sure if I'd protected myself from them or if darkness just kept them private. Either way, I was grateful. Knowing he had that much power was enough. I didn't need to remember any more than that. Over the next hour, I forced myself to read every depraved sentence I'd sent to Mia. Every word, every threat, every perverse declaration of love. I read them again and again until I was numb. They were filled with imagery from her nightmares, fire and blood. The only time she didn't receive one was while I was in the hospital, 
She must have been terrified. Should still be terrified. I checked the date on the last one against the date in the corner of my computer screen. Yesterday. Last night, while I'd been watching another of my mom's worried dreams, sleeping in my own bed for the first time in nearly a week, I coiled into myself, pulling my arms in a tight protective ball around my head until my body stopped shaking. Even now, I had less control than I thought. Opening the last email again, I pushed all my emotions away as I studied it. It was the shortest of all, only six words long. Time is nigh, time to die. I forced away the little voice in my head that rebelled against the idea that these were my words. I couldn't suffer under that delusion anymore. The intent was clear. Part of me, somewhere down deep that I didn't want to know about, wanted Mia dead, and soon, but why? Why would I want Mia dead? She was the only one who could save me. It didn't matter why. These weren't my motivations. They belonged to darkness. It should be a relief that at least part of my mind still didn't understand the monster within me. Then bubbles of fury broke through my numbness. He'd ruined everything. Stolen my last hope, my life, my friends, even my ability to die near those I loved. Darkness was my enemy, and I felt that driving desire to kill that I'd felt in Dr. Freeberg's dream. I knew if I could, I would act on that instinct. I would kill Darkness. He was dangerous, to me and everyone around me. My eyes dropped to my hands. I gripped the keyboard in front of me so tight that the skin under my thumbnails turned purple. But how do I fight an enemy that is a part of me? My anger exploded like a volcano and I threw my keyboard against the wall. Keys popped off like shards of glass, shooting across the room with lethal velocity only to bounce harmlessly to the floor. Just like me. I had an enemy and I wanted to destroy him, but there was nothing I could do about it. I was powerless. I turned off my computer and the lights as if in slow motion. Closing the door, I locked it and crumpled on the edge of my bed like wadded paper. Accepting the truth brought a certain peace. When I had no power, why should I fight? In the stillness, I let my mind go blank. My will retreated. No matter what death held, could it be worse than this? The garage door opened and I heard Mom shuffling around the kitchen. Soon, I would leave and she would be alone. Images of her pain when Dad left pierced my mind like daggers, each one drawing more blood than the last. I sat up, taking a quick breath and letting the oxygen mend the wounds in my brain. I couldn't let her believe that I'd abandoned her too. Finn? Addie? None of them could think that. This was something I could control. I wouldn't let darkness hurt them any more than he already had. There was a knock on my door, and I opened it. The worry lines on my mom's face were too painful to look at, so I wrapped one arm around her and pulled her into a hug. She relaxed against me and laughed. Thank God, was all she said. Her relief made me want to smile and scream at the same time. I love you, Mom. I know, honey. I love you, too, she sighed. Everything is going to be okay. 
Mom patted my back with her hand and I felt about five again. Somehow, I knew she was right. For those I loved, I would fix things, the only way I knew how. I would tell them why I had to leave, how I felt about them, how sorry I was. I would tell them the truth. Thanks for listening to the Riveting Reads podcast, season one, Insomnia. New podcast episodes will be available every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. If you're not the patient type and want the full book now, you can find the audiobook on Audible Podcasts or the paperback version on Amazon. Stick around for some author insights from J.R. Johansson about the chapter featured in this episode. Hi, I'm J.R. Johansson, and welcome to the Authorly Insight section on Chapter 29. Writing this chapter was both fascinating and a big challenge. Obviously, facing something like the realizations Parker gets when he logs into the emails in this chapter would be a struggle for anyone, but it induces a full-on panic attack and mental break for him. I have anxiety myself, and I deal with it on a regular basis. I've had panic attacks, and I've hovered in that in-between area where I have felt one coming and been completely helpless as to how to prevent or face it. It's terrifying and overwhelming. Many people have different experiences, but my experience with panic attacks can be very similar to what Parker experiences here. I feel like I can't breathe. I feel like there isn't enough air. I feel like getting more air is the only thing that will save me and I would do anything to get it. All of this while a small logical voice tells me that of course there's enough air and that it isn't a physical problem, it's a mental one. And even knowing that, even if I happen to hear that voice, it generally isn't enough to turn it around once it gets to a certain point. I wanted to capture that feeling of helplessness, fear, and desperation here as Parker faces some genuinely terrifying discoveries about himself. I think that kind of fear is the kind that can really shake you to your core, and it's not the kind of terrifying prospect that we face many times in our lives. It makes us question who we are on a fundamental base level. That fear that not only could we be capable of things we never even imagined, but that we may have already become that thing that we fear the most. That is true terror. And that's it for the Authorly Insight section on Chapter 29. Thanks for listening, and I will see you next time. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Riveting Reads. Please check out details for our reader appreciation program in the podcast notes or on rivetingreadspodcast.com. Also, a reminder that we're still a new podcast and we would love to hear from you. Please subscribe as well as rating and reviewing in your podcast app. Thanks, and we'll see you in a few days for the next episode.